This is the day the Lord's made, and let us rejoice and be glad in it. And uh, we're going to be continuing our series uh, this morning from the Gospel of... Sorry, not the Gospel of John, but the Epistle of 1 John. Uh, we're in Chapter 4. We started Chapter 4 last week. Um, Caleb brought the message um, on the first few verses. And uh, I want to continue pick up with where we, where we left off last week in chapter 4. And uh, so if you'd like to read with me here, if you want to open your Bibles, uh, I'm going to start from uh, verse 7 in chapter 4 of First John. So First John chapter 4, verse 7. Beloved, let us love one another, for love is from God, and whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. Anyone who does not love does not know God, because God is love. In this, the love of God was made manifest among us, that God sent his only Son into the world so that we might live through him. In this is love, not that we have loved God, but that he loved us and sent his Son to be the propitiation for our sins. Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has seen God. If we love one another, God abides in us, and his love is perfected in us. By this we know that we abide in him, and he in us, because he has given us his spirit. And we have seen and testified that the Father has sent his Son to be the Savior of the world. And this is God's word. So why don't we pray as we begin uh, looking at the word today. Father, we uh, acknowledge you today and we thank you so much for your presence here with us. We thank you, Lord, for your word that always speaks a word that's in season to us, Lord, no matter where we are no matter what circumstances we find ourselves in, Lord, your word is always relevant. And Lord, as, as, as we open the scripture today and look at your word, I pray that you'd give us grace to receive what you'd want to say to us today. Lord, that you'd give me grace to be able to speak what you'd want me to speak. And Lord, I pray that you would give us ears to hear Lord, we thank you for the power of your Holy Spirit that takes your word and applies it to our lives, Lord, that your, your spirit is moving. And Lord, I believe in the moving of your Holy Spirit this morning. I thank you, Lord, that as we look at your word, that you would convict and confirm, Lord, and uh, just do what you do, Holy Spirit. We invite you. This morning, I thank you, Lord, that, God, we can't do anything without you. And so we acknowledge your presence here today. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So I'll just start by telling you guys that the message of today's passage is something that I need just as much as anybody here. And so as I'm speaking this morning... 
I'm preaching to myself, as they say, just as much as I'm preaching to everybody else. And I need this word today. This is a wonderful passage of Scripture, and I pray that, uh, you know, I know that I'm probably not going to bring out everything that there is to be brought out of this passage, but I pray that whatever uh, the Lord would have us to hear today, that he would give me grace to speak that. And uh, so... The Apostle John is here this morning giving us an exhortation saying, Beloved, let us love one another. You know, I'm glad that uh, he didn't just give us the exhortation saying, Hey, uh, you know, love one another because I said so. Or just go figure out what that means. And do as best you can. I'm glad John didn't just do that. And so in looking at a passage like this, I want us, even before we really begin here, to start just to be aware that as we speak about this word love, I know that many of us know that there's more than one meaning uh, for the word love. And there are several different Greek words, words including um, eros, Philia, storge, and agape are all used to describe the word love in the Greek language. And so I want us to be clear this morning on what is meant by love here in verse 7. When John says, let us love one another. And throughout this passage, the word used for love is agape, either in its noun form or verb form. And so what is agape love? What is agape? Agape is the highest form of love and could be described as God's perfect, ongoing, outgoing, selfless love for lost and fallen people. God gives this agape love without condition, unreservedly to those who are undeserving and can't give anything in return. Agape is the deepest possible expression of God's character, extending far beyond the emotions. Agape is much more than a feeling or a sentiment. Agape love is active. It demonstrates itself through actions. And agape seeks the highest good of another, even if it means self-sacrifice. To agape someone is to put yourself on the line for someone else's benefit without regard for what it costs you. And there's a multitude of scriptures which speak of God's agape love for us, not the least of which is the famous John 3.16. For God so agape the world, God loved the world, that he gave his only Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Now, if if we, in our fallen condition, speaking of humanity in general here, if we were to look at agape and see its characteristics and try to just go do that, we'd have a problem. Especially if John were to simply tell people to agape one another and leave it at that. And why is this? It's because every human being as a child of Adam, 
cannot possibly love with agape love, with the capacity that we're born with. You see, if we look within ourselves to find the motivation to love that way, to love this way, we're not going to find it. The fall left humanity in, in a totally depraved condition. And, and when, it, when, it's, when it says totally depraved, you know, we, we've heard that term total depravity. We're not speaking of humanity as evil as they possibly could be. But this idea of total depravity is that everything that we do and every motivation in our heart is always oriented towards sin and selfishness. And we're always going to do what we do out of a motive of self-interest and never from pure motives. And this is total depravity. I mean, sure, we, we're, you know, we still have the capacity to operate in lower forms of love. We see it every day with people everywhere. You know, you, you see uh, romantic love displayed. You see mutual friendships. You observe natural family love, right? People love those who love them. And we extend kindness to our friends. But to extend agape when there is nothing in it for you, to extend agape when there's nothing in it for us is beyond us. It's a supernatural thing. And so this message that John gives here in this passage is really not for those who have the spirit of the world. This message is not for those who are dead in trespasses and sins. The writer to the Corinthians said, the natural person, the natural man, does not accept the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness to him. And he's not even able to understand them because they are spiritually discerned. And so John is, is clear right from the outset about who he's talking to here. He's not talking to the world. He's talking to God's children. And I'm glad that immediately after John exhorts us to love one another, he acknowledges that this kind of love is supernatural. Why? Because he says this. He says, for love is from God. He says, let us love one another, for love is from God. In other words, this love cannot come from the natural man. We cannot produce this kind of love within ourselves. Love is from God. Hear me today. You must be born again in order to love. The only way that you can love is through God. And I'm speaking about agape. Through knowing him. And I don't mean just knowing facts about God. I mean knowing him through experience, through a living relationship of dependence on him. I love some of the songs that we sing uh, on a regular basis that, that express the dynamics of this relationship that we have with, with God. Some of the lyrics to the song, songs like, All I Have is Christ. Verse 3, it says this, Now, Lord, I would be yours alone and live so all might see the strength 
to follow your commands could never come from me. O Father, use my ransomed life in any way you choose and let my song forever be. My only boast is you. Hallelujah. All I have is Christ. Hallelujah. Jesus is my life. And I'm reminded of of another chorus we sing, we often sing here. You all probably remember this one, Yet not I, but through Christ. There's a verse in that song that's basically a prayer that expresses the dynamics of this relationship of dependence that we have with God. It says, With every breath I long to follow Jesus, for he has said that he will bring me home. And day by day he will renew me until I stand with joy before the throne. To this I hold, my only hope is Jesus. For my life is wholly bound to his Oh, how strange and divine. I can sing, all is mine. Yet, here it is, not I, but through Christ in me. Amen? And so John says, let us love one another because love is from God. And whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. You see, you and I, we have a new song to sing this morning. It's not that old song that we sang when we were dead in trespasses and sins, but we have a new song to sing now. We have a new way of life now. And Peter, in his first epistle, 1 Peter puts it this way. He says this. uh, I'll start in verse 20 here. It says, He was foreknown before the speaking of Christ. He was foreknown before the foundation of the world, but was made manifest in the last times for the sake of you, who through him are believers in God, who raised him from the dead and gave him glory so that your faith and hope are where? Not in yourself, but in God. He says, he goes on, having, having purified your souls by your obedience to the truth for a sincere brotherly love, love one another earnestly from a pure heart. Since you And here he says this, he says, Since you have been born again, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable through the living and abiding word of God. And I'll just read these next couple verses here too. For all flesh is like grass, and all its glory like the flower of grass. The grass withers and the flower falls, but the word of the Lord remains forever. And this word is the good news that was preached to you. See, the Apostle Paul, he said in in another place that we don't regard one another according to the flesh anymore. And I believe that I'm talking this morning to some children of God. I'm talking to some people this morning that have been reborn through that living and abiding word. I'm talking to some people this morning that know God. Can somebody say amen? Amen. <laughs> amen. And so in 2 Corinthians, this is where Paul actually says, he, he says, for the love of Christ controls us. He says the love of Christ compels us, controls us, because we have concluded this, that one has died for all, therefore all have died, and he died for all, that those who live might no longer live for themselves, but for him who for their sake died and was raised. And then he, this is where I got that reference of 
Paul said, we don't regard one another according to the flesh anymore. For he says, from now on, therefore we regard no one according to the flesh. Even though we once regarded even Christ according to the flesh, we regard him thus no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, I want to say that again, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, is anyone in Christ this morning? He is a new creation. The old has passed away, and behold, the new has come. See what kind of love the Father has given to us. This is 1 John chapter 3, verse 1. See what kind of love the Father has given to us that we should be called children of God, and so we are. So this morning, as we hear this exhortation from John to say, Beloved, let us love one another. I can echo what John said here with the utmost confidence, and we can receive this word with joy. When John says, let us love one another, he's talking to the children of God. And so, if you're, uh, if you're making notes this, this morning, I, I want to I just address four specific questions that I want to answer this morning considering this exhortation to love one another. And the first question is this, why is John telling us to do this, to love one another? Why? And the second question is this, what does it mean to love? What does love look like? The third question can love be hindered in us? And the fourth question, how do we cultivate this love? One more time, I'll give you those four questions. So I want to address, why is John telling us to do this, to love one another? Number two, what does it mean to love? And what is, in other words, what does love look like? Number three, can love be hindered in us? And number four, how do we cultivate it? So let's tackle the first question. First off, why? Why love? Why does he say, let us love one another? Well, in short, I'll say this. We love because our sins are forgiven. And we can actually see that right here in the following verses, in verse 9 and 10 of chapter 4 in 1 John. It says, in this, the love of God was manifest among us, that God sent his only son into the world so that we might live through him. In this is love, this is verse 10 now, not that we have loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. There it is right there. We love because our sins are for, have been forgiven. So why love? Why? Why should I love? It's because I have a new life. Scripture calls it eternal life. Jesus called it abundant life. And so my position is no longer dead in trespasses and sins. That's not where I live anymore. I'm not dead in trespasses and sins anymore. But now I'm hidden in Christ with God. Christ is now my life. Remember the song we sang? Jesus is my life. Christ is now my life. And love is inevitable. 
I'll say it this way. I've been plunged into love as if it were into a sea of God's love. I'm surrounded by it. I can't escape it. It's in me. He dwells in me. I can't escape it. The reason I love is because he's alive. Christ is alive and he's working in me. And since it is impossible for God not to love, then it's impossible for me to not love because God is in the house. Can somebody say amen? (laughs) So you might as well just get used to it. Just have a seat, just sit down, and stop worrying about your lack of love because your sins are forgiven. God's got the wheel now, and his love, he is love. It says God is love. And so as we, as we continue to look at this passage here, it says, uh, I, I want to I just uh, go real quick to 1 John chapter 2. Uh, in verse 4, if you want to pull that up on the screen there, Ken. Whoever says, I know him, but does not keep his commandments is a liar, and the truth is not in him. And so, if someone comes along claiming that he knows God, but, but doesn't love, he's a liar. He can't claim that he got that from God. He didn't pick that up from God because God is love. And God does not come, come up short on his delivery. Let me tell you something today. If you're counting on God, if, if you're depending on him, if you're looking to him, he's not going to let you down. I love this chorus. You know, it's been sung a lot in, in churches uh, for a while now. But when I first heard it, the song really hit me. And uh, it's, there's a little refrain in the, in the song that says, he's, You're never going to let, never going to let me down. Because he's good. The song is, You are good, you are good. Not a lot of words in the song, but that one phrase, You're never going to let me down. You're never going to let me down. God is not going to let you down. You can't not love and say you know him. Because as Derek used to say, Derek said it this way, God produces God. And so whoever says, I know him, but does not keep his commandments is a liar, and the truth is not in him. And so we've dealt uh, with the question of why. Why love? Now I want to look at what does it mean to love? What does love look like? And so to get an accurate picture of love, we've got to start with God. A well-known Bible teacher said said it this way. He said, God himself is the source and the fountain of all genuine love, in that love originates with him and it flows from him. Therefore, the only way to know authentic love is to know God. And so here in verse 9, we see it. It says, in this, the love of God was made manifest among us, that God sent his only son into the world so that we might live through him. In Romans chapter 5, it says this, it says, for for one will scarcely die for a righteous person, 
though perhaps for a good person one might uh, even dare to die. But here it is, God shows his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. I can't help but think of some of the stories uh, where this kind of love was illustrated. Um, I don't know how many of you know this, the story from the movie uh, To End All Wars, one of my favorites. Anybody know that movie? <laughs> Caleb knows it. <clears throat> to End All Wars. But uh, Captain Ernest Gordon and uh, some other British soldiers were captured by the Japanese and they were forced to build this notorious railroad of death where many thousands of prisoners of war died and the ones remaining were kept in a prison camp. And basically the core tension on the movie is essentially how do these prisoners survive? You know, they were given starvation rations and rags for clothing. And as the story progresses, you, you can start to see the impact that one of the prisoners had on the rest of them. A man that they called Dusty, Dusty Miller was his name. And he was a man of faith. But he was just a simple salt-of-the-earth farmer. And Dusty, he almost sacrifices his own life by giving his food rations to Gordon. And in the end he actually does sacrifice his life by taking the blame for what one of the other prisoners had done. And so we see what love looks like in that movie and in that story. Another one of my favorites, Les Miserables. If you guys have seen the film of that, if you've read the story or seen the film, uh, it's hard not to be moved when watching the story of Les Miserables. When Jean Valjean, as a poor wretch, hungry and homeless, was invited in by the local town bishop to stay the night out of the rain and the cold. But in return for the bishop's kindness, Jean Valjean, he stole a basket of silver belonging to the bishop as he left. And then once he was caught, he was returned to the house of the priest to verify his story. And really, he should have been locked up and the key thrown away. But the bishop took the blow to his own hurt and offered Veljan the silver candlesticks as well. And so as the policeman let Jean Veljan go, he trembled as he accepted these candlesticks. And then the bishop he turned to Veljan and he said this. He said, see, I have bought your soul. John Veljan, my brother, you belong to evil no longer. You now belong to good. I have rescued your soul. I set it free from black thoughts and the spirit of destruction. And now I place, I place you in the hands of God. Can you see it? What does love look like? There was a debt that we owed. We had no way to pay it. And so the one to which we owe the debt, he paid it himself and let us go free. 
God shows his love for us and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Makes me think of another hymn. How can it be that I should gain an interest in the Savior's blood? Died he for me who caused his pain, for me who, who him to death pursued. Amazing love, how can it be that thou, my God, should die for me? Amazing love, how can it be that thou, my God, should die for me? Long my imprisoned spirit lay, fast bound in sin and nature's night, but thine eye diffused a quickening ray, and I woke, my dungeon flamed with light. My chains fell off, my heart was free. I rose, went forth, and followed thee. Amazing love, how can it be that thou, my God, should die for me? Now no condemnation I dread. No condemnation now I dread. Jesus and all in him is mine. Alive in him, my living head and clothed in righteousness divine. Bold I approach the eternal throne and claim the crown through Christ my own. Amazing love, how can it be that thou, my God, should die for me? What does love look like? 1 John 4, verse 10, In this is love, not that we have loved God, but that he loved us and sent his Son to be the propitiation for our sins. And uh, Kenneth, if you want to cue up this uh, song, I, I wanted us to hear a song as we just dwell on this thought of what, what does love look like? And uh, this is a song by uh, the group Casting Crowns. And... Um, it's called Love Moved First. And so I just want you to listen to this. And uh, Ken, if you want to go ahead and play that, you can go ahead and turn up the volume if you want. Oh, yeah. 
Amen. What a powerful song. Romans 5, verse 6. For while we were still weak, at the right time Christ died for the ungodly. For one will scarcely die for a righteous person, though perhaps for a good person one would even dare to die. But God shows his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Since therefore we now have been justified by his blood, much more shall we be saved by him from the wrath of God. For if while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of his son, much more now that we are reconciled, shall we be saved by his life. More than that, we also rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received reconciliation. And so, as we meditate on this exhortation that John gives us to love one another, I want to ask the third question, can love be hindered in us? Can love be hindered in us? I want to look at the following passage, and we're going to find the answer there. In 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 3, it says this, His divine power has granted to us all things that pertain to life and godliness, through the knowledge of Him who's called us to His own glory and excellence, by which He's granted to us His precious and very great promises, so that through them you may become partakers of the divine nature having escaped from the corruption that is in the world because of sinful desire. For this very reason, make every effort to supplement your faith with virtue, and virtue with knowledge, and knowledge with self-control, and self-control with steadfastness, and steadfastness with godliness, and godliness with brotherly affection, and brotherly affection with love. For if these qualities are yours and are increasing, they keep you from being ineffective, or unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. And listen to this. It says, For whoever lacks these qualities is so nearsighted that he's blind. And here's the key. Having forgotten that he was cleansed from his former sins. And so verses 8 and 9 here, as we just read, make it clear that, yes, it is possible for love to be hindered in us. But I want you to see what it is that hinders love. It's not what you might think. Because, see, I even in growing up and just in the way I thought for so many years, I was conditioned to think that any time I lacked something, in this case, lacking in love, it had to be because of a performance problem with me. I wasn't disciplined enough, or I wasn't praying enough, or I wasn't willing to get past my fear of what people might think of me, or a dozen other things. But verse 9 says he has forgotten that he was cleansed from his former sins. Wow. I want you to think about that for a second. What hinders love and fruitfulness in us is not a matter of our performance or lack thereof. It's a matter of forgetting the gospel. Amen? And so even when I looked at our main passage in, in, in 1 John 4... I think it even reinforces this idea even further as we look, if we look at verse 9 of chapter 4 in 1 John. In the ESV, verse 9 says, 
It says, in this, the love of God was made manifest among us, but it uses the word among. It said, among us, that God sent his only son into the world that we might live through him. But it's interesting because as I was studying this and, and looking at other uh, translations, uh, several other translations actually used uh, verse 9 and worded verse 9 this way. In, in this, the love of God was manifest in us. So a lot of translations say among, but a few of them said, said in us. In this, the love of God was made manifest in us that God sent his only son into the world so that we might live through him. So reading it this way seems to reinforce the idea of what Peter, uh, of what verse 9 in Second Peter here is saying, that love is manifested in us. Love is manifested in us not because of our performance, but because of what God has done in the gospel. It says, love is manifest in us that God sent his only son into the world that we might live through him. So how is, how is the love of God made manifest in us? In this, that God sent his only son into the world that we might live through him. So I want to move on to the final question here. How do we cultivate love for one another? How does it grow? I think the answer is found specifically here in verse 13 of chapter 4 in 1 John. He says this, By this we know that we abide in him and he in us, and here it is, because he has given us of his spirit. He has given us of his spirit. How do we cultivate it? It's the spirit who gives life. John, John in, in his gospel in chapter 6 said, the flesh is no help at all. He says, it's the spirit who gives life. The flesh is no help at all. And so as we live in the flesh, we live by faith in the Son of God who loved us and gave himself for us. We've been crucified with Christ, and it's no longer I who live, yet not I, but through Christ who loved me and gave himself for me. And so the Spirit, what is one of the Spirit's job descriptions? What, is he, what does he do? If you remember Romans 5, 5, it says, it says this, and hope does not put us to shame because God's love, here, oh, there it is, God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. So the Spirit's job is to shed abroad the love of God in our hearts. So how do we cultivate it? Well, it's definitely connected to the Spirit because He sheds abroad the love of God in our hearts. And so we cooperate with the Spirit through faith and patience. We let Him lead. James 1, uh, in, in verse 4, James chapter 1, verse 4 says, And let steadfastness, another translation says patience, let patience have its full effect that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. Hebrews says the same thing, the writer of Hebrews. Be imitators of those who through faith and patience inherit the promises. 
And I just want to encourage us this morning that as we are God's children, in, verse, in 1 John chapter 3, we, we covered that a few weeks back uh, as we were going through the book of 1 John. But in chapter 3, verse 2, I want to remind us, beloved, we are God's children now. You are God's child now. And what we will be has not yet appeared, but we know that when he appears, we shall be like him, because we shall see him as he is. That's the promise. We're going to be like him. I don't know about you, but that makes me get happy. (laughs) Thank you, Lord. What we will be has not yet appeared, but we know that when he appears, we shall be like him because we're going to see him as he is. So how can we apply this message today? How can we apply this? Two things I want to give you as we, as we close today. Remember, number one, remember that you've been cleansed from your former sins. Don't forget, remember that you've been cleansed from your former sins. And secondly, ask for the Holy Spirit to fill you, to flood your soul with the reality of God's love for you. Ask the Holy Spirit to fill you today. Holy Spirit, fill us. Let me pray for us this morning. Lord, I just want to pray for us what the, uh, what the Apostle Paul prayed for the church at Ephesus. Today, Lord, I come before you. Come before you, Father. And I ask, Lord, that according to the riches of your glory, that you would grant us to be strengthened with power through your spirit in our inner being. That Christ would dwell in our hearts through faith. That we, being rooted and grounded in love, may have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and the length and the height and the depth and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge, that we would be filled with all the fullness of God. Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly above all that we even ask or think, according to the power that works within us, to him be the glory, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus through all generations forever and ever. Amen.